The Word became flesh and lived among us, full of grace and truth. The Gospel of John offers no sweet stories about the baby Jesus. It begins with the Word, the Word that was with God and was God, the true light that was coming into the world. No shepherds, no sheep or cows or donkeys, no angels singing glory to God in the highest, no magi bringing gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh for the newborn baby. But the cosmic opening of John's gospel expresses the very same truth that we find in Matthew and Luke, who give us the star, the stable, and the baby in a manger. That truth is that God has joined us in the flesh. The incarnation blows our minds. Babies are tiny, unable to meet their own needs, totally dependent. They have to be fed, carried about, and taught how to eventually care for themselves. And yet, the holy, just, compassionate, merciful, and loving God comes to us as a baby? Ever since that first moment when Mary pondered these, these things in her heart, we who follow Christ have wondered at the mystery of the Incarnation and all that it might mean for us. Perhaps dependence is actually a virtue. Maybe vulnerability is a good thing and innocence a gift. Can it be that the greatest learn from the weakest and that a little child guides us all? Jesus seems to say as much in today's scripture lesson from Matthew's gospel. The disciples came to him with a question about who would be greatest in the kingdom of heaven. We're told that Jesus called a child, placed him in their midst, and said, unless you change and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. This brings to mind another passage recorded in both Matthew and Luke, where the disciples rebuked people for bringing their children, even babies, so that Jesus might touch them. In response, Jesus said, permit the children to come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. Now anyone who has had children knows that not 
all of their behavior is something we would recommend or want to emulate. Children can sometimes be possessive, manipulative, selfish, and even downright mean. Not my children, of course, and especially not my grandchildren. And I doubt if any of your children are ever like that. But I have heard that some children sometimes can be that way. So if as Christ followers, we are to become like children, what are the qualities or characteristics that we're called to emulate? If Jesus were to stand a child in our midst today and say, I want you to be like him. I want you to be like her. What would he be trying to tell us? I'm going to suggest a few characteristics or qualities of children that Jesus might have had in mind. But my list is certainly not exhaustive. And you might come up with some other qualities that I failed to mention. Karl Rayner, the late German Jesuit priest and theologian, suggests, first of all, that childhood is infinite openness. It's expecting the unexpected. This kind of openness, he says, implies trustful submission to control by another. It involves the courage to allow fresh horizons, ever new and ever wider, to be opened up before you. A readiness to journey into the untried and the untested. We have all been there before. We know what this kind of openness feels like. Think with me, if you can remember back that far, to when you learned to swim or when you first learned to ride a bike. I remember the day that my dad took the training wheels off my bike. I was a little scared, afraid of falling, and it required some bravery, but mostly it was a new and exciting adventure, and I was eager to embrace it. As we grow up, we experience things in life, failure, loss, disappointment, that invite us to close ourselves. And maybe we gradually lose some of that openness of our childhood. Perhaps Jesus is calling us to reclaim the openness that we once experienced. Almost immediately after we arrived in France, my wife and I were in French classes all morning long, and our children went to day camp, where they heard children speaking nothing but French, and of course, they didn't yet understand a word of it. One evening, as we were saying bedtime prayers with them, one of my daughters asked, does God speak French or English? 
Well, I knew from experience, of course, that God spoke English. <laughs> but I asked what she thought, and she said, I think God probably understands everybody. It's that kind of opening up of horizons, that kind of willingness to see and experience things differently and from a new perspective that we need to recapture. Another child-white quality that we might embrace anew is trust and complete surrender. When our daughter Emily was two or three years old, she and I had a sort of game we played with one another before we left the house. The steps from our second floor stopped almost at the entryway to our front door, and she would climb up three or four steps and jump into my arms just before we walked out the door. She totally trusted that I would be there, ready to catch her, and she jumped with reckless abandon. One day, her trust was so great that she jumped just as I was turning my back to the steps. Fortunately, I just saw her from the corner of my eye as she took flight, and I caught her as always. But I did tell her that from that day forward, she needed to look before she leaped. Speaking of total trust and surrender, one of my favorite photos is of one of my granddaughters, aged one or two. We were at the beach, and I was carrying her on my shoulders with my hand on her back to steady her. As we walked along, I could feel her just completely relax, and her little head fell onto the back of my head sound asleep, total trust and surrender. When I think about exactly how to translate that kind of trust and surrender into my relationship with God, I'll be the first to admit that I do not have all the answers. But I do think God's calling us there, and I want to move in that direction. Another characteristic I'd like to mention is pure, unadulterated, absolute love exhibited by a child. It is as necessary for a child to love and be loved as it is for them to eat and drink. You're probably familiar with studies of infants in orphanages who exhibit failure to thrive or FTT. There are sometimes medical causes, but often a child just stops growing as a result of a lack of individualized, nurturing, physically affectionate parental care. Babies' brains expect that they will experience nearly constant physical touch, rocking and cuddling. Without it, they just cease to grow. The immune system in these children seems to be profoundly affected, making them especially vulnerable to all types of disease, probably 
because not being nurtured is stressful. And without receiving kind, empathetic care, they're less likely to behave with love toward others as they get older. When children receive the love they need, they return it and they give it away. Author and lecturer Leo Buscaglia once talked about a contest that he was asked to judge. The purpose of the contest was to find the most caring child. The winner, a four-year-old child whose next-door neighbor was an elderly gentleman who had recently lost his wife. Upon seeing the man cry, the little boy went into the old gentleman's yard, climbed up onto his lap, and just sat there. When his mother asked him what he had said to the neighbor, the little boy said, nothing. I just helped him cry. We've all been on the receiving end at one time or another of the pure, boundless love of a child. We've known the unlimited trust they're willing to offer us as their adult caretakers. And we've admired their openness, their ability to see things, to experience life in new and different ways. Jesus, who came to us as a baby, invites us to become like children. We were all there once, and that child within, that child you once were, wasn't left behind in some previous life. He or she is still a part of you. You may need to let go of some of your grown-up defenses to rediscover some of the joy and wonder that you experienced as a child, but it'll be worth it. Take the risk, be brave, and you'll inherit the kingdom. May it be so.